Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this vitally important question, what is our culture teaching our kids about sexuality? Yeah, we are continuing our conversation on sexuality today. I am joined again by Aaron Barry, who is an author, speaker, counselor, and educational consultant. Aaron has a bachelor's degree in education, a master's degree in counseling, and is working towards a doctorate in Christian counseling where she is specializing in sexuality. She and her husband, Brett, are founders of the Home Educated Mind, a Christ-centered community dedicated to providing materials and support for Christian parents. Now, as a strong believer, Erin is the perfect person to enlighten us on the topic of sexuality. So we are holding her over for these next two episodes on cultural sexuality. Mamas and papas, we just couldn't find a better person to help us out here. And in this episode, we're going to discuss what is happening in our culture when it comes to sexuality. And in the next episode, we will continue that conversation and talk about how to have a discussion with your kids about what's happening in our culture with sexuality. Little heads up here. If you have little ears around, you might want to put your earbuds in for this episode. Part one of this series on biblical sexuality and part two on cultural sexuality go hand in hand. Because as I'm sure you know, biblical sexuality and cultural sexuality are diametrically opposed to one another. Our kids are neck deep in a culture that says Everything the Bible teaches us on sexuality is not only wrong, but oppressive. It is hate speech. We need to know what our culture is saying about sexuality, where these ideas are coming from, and where they're going. And then we need to know how to talk to our kids about it. So with the help of my good friend, Aaron Barry, that's exactly what we're going to do. That's the plan for the next two episodes of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. A little recap here. In the last two episodes, we established what the Bible has to say about our sexuality, that God created us male and female, which is first mentioned right up front in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. Our biological sex is not an accident. It is purposeful. We talked a bit about gender roles and specifically about how liberating scripture is for women, especially when compared to other books of that time period. And we discussed the origins of what we now call gender. This is a a new term. It is a linguistic term, meaning that it was first used to refer to language. In many of the Romance languages, terms are either feminine or masculine. The entire use of the word gender was used in reference to language for most of human history. Aaron enlightened us on that history, showing how it burst into academia in the 1940s and only came into the popular vernacular in 2010. This term has literally jumped off the page and changed Everything. It is not a biblical term or even a term with much history and reference to humans. It is a linguistic term that is now radically altering our perception of sexuality. All righty, that gets us back up to speed. Erin, welcome back to the program. I didn't scare you off. Absolutely not. It was wonderful. So glad to be here. Ah, so glad you're back. Well, let's just dive right in today. Let's start this conversation off where we started our last conversation on biblical sexuality by defining our terms. How does our culture define sexuality? I think it defines sexuality as anything goes. Mm-hmm. You know, your body, your your use of your body is purely for pleasure and gratification. Mm-hmm. I think it defines that you determine your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it's an integral part of your identity, right? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Uh, that that label is all important. And another thing I know we'll be getting into in this episode is that it, it splices the idea of our culture is splicing the idea of sex and gender. Right. Right. And I would encourage people to definitely go back and listen to the last episode. Aaron had such great insights to share on how that has happened, the whole concept of gender, how that evolved through language. And really, I think you said it was only 2010, right, where that became a thing, right? Right. Really? Well, where it really became in the popular yeah. Vernacular. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. we're so in sync. <laughs> Jinx, we said the same word, same time. Um, you know, I like how Brendan Jordan, who is, uh, he's a YouTube star. Uh, he, he defined it. He said, sexuality is who you go to bed with and mm. gender identity is who you go to bed as. So the mm. very idea that we determine things, these things for ourselves, right. In terms from a biblical perspective is the problem. Wouldn't you say, Aaron? Yeah. And the fact that it's fluid and constantly changing. That's the other thing, which is very confusing. Yeah. 
fluid. It's very confusing because one of the things that I appreciate about Jesus is it says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, as people, we are, that is, that is so important. I feel in a, in a world that feels so chaotic Mm. is the things that we can ground ourselves in. But then now it's like nothing, nothing is constant. Everything is in flux. And that can be very, well, not only disturbing, but you know, you just can't find your grounding. Yeah. Takes a lot of energy Mm -hmm. to constantly have these basic things constantly changing. I know it's something so integral and yet it can change over the course of time. And there's nothing constant there. And, and like you just said, our culture has determined that any type of sexual activity is good as uh, they do add on the caveat that it's consensual, but you know, there are no boundaries, no restraints. What, What do you think the ramifications are of this type of thinking about sex? I think it's a lot of broken mm-hmm. and hurting people. Mm-hmm. A, in, uh, painful, painful. And you're a counselor, so you yeah. see this, right? And you're, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? Do you know how much pain a single act can produce? Mm-hmm. What we're doing is, is constant. Like it's like, Act after act after act after act. That's the part that's heartbreaking to me, mm-hmm. too, is that it's, it's just very, very, very painful. Yeah. And it's not what God designed it to be. It's almost as if our sexual identity has become a, a, an addiction for us in our culture. And, and we're not, we're even talking about consensual, not, we're not even getting over into the, to the ramifications of non-consensual, but when you have idolized sex as we have, that is a gateway, is it not into non-consensual because people have become addicted to it, that they can't control those impulses and they act out their sexual desires on someone non-consensually and that kind yeah. that's a whole yeah. other conversation, which we're really not getting into. But yeah. because of this idolization of sex in our culture, I believe that sexual predators are on the rise because they can't control those impulses. Well, exactly. There's no restraint. Mm-hmm. What we're really doing is moving into chaos and a lack of restraint. Mm-hmm. And what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that God gives us a spirit of self-control mm-hmm. and that self-control helps us and helps others. Yes. That's such a foreign idea, self-control in our culture. We we have such immediate gratification for everything. I, I wanted to tell our listeners here about a really cool resource that I've mm-hmm. found. I think you've you've checked it out as well. It's called access.org, A-X-I-S.org. I will link it. It's a really cool website that has phenomenal resources for parents. Uh, now, there is a paid subscription that you can get there to access all of their resources, which are really cool. I think they have like over 100 guides that you can print out. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of videos. I was watching some of their videos on sexuality, which are a great introduction if you don't know what to say to your kids that you can watch some of these videos with your kids and it can open the door for you because I think a lot of parents feel inadequate and unqualified to talk about this. So, but they have a free newsletter. And in that newsletter, I got a guide. It's called a parent's guide to LGBTQ plus and your teen. 
I printed that out. My husband read it. I read it. And I have to just say, they have done a phenomenal job with their guide and helping to guide us as parents to have these conversations. And I wanted to read something from the guide that I think sets the stage for where we are in our society with no sexual barriers, no restraints. This is what it says. Quote, Gen Z, which, by the way, I think that's like 1999 to 2015, Gen Z are twice as likely as millennials to be atheists or to identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community. 69% see no problem with someone identifying as transgender. And about a third of them know someone who is transgender. The Independent reports that only about two-thirds of Gen Z say they are completely heterosexual. This is in stark, stark contrast to older generations with 88% of baby boomers aged uh, 52 to 71 and 85% of Gen X aged 38 to 51. I got in just under the wire there. uh, Identifying as purely heterosexual. End quote. So that is 12% of baby boomers identify somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, 15% of Gen X, and then 33% of Gen Z, more than double. That is a rather dramatic increase, wouldn't you say, Aaron? So that is 12% of baby boomers identify somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, 15% of Gen X, and then 33% of Gen Z, more than double. That is a rather dramatic increase, wouldn't you say, Erin? Well, yeah, it's unheard of. It's crazy. What do you think's driving that? Well, propaganda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, it's an it's everywhere. Like we said, it's in TV shows, it's in the school system, it's in the job. I mean, it's it's everywhere you're being faced with this. And I read a um, it was uh, Mark Yar Yarhouse. He talked about years ago when they began to discover uh, about multiple personalities. Mm. So they that became a newer thing, let's say, in psychology. And so they started understanding and looking for the uh, different things that cause it or what the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all these people started coming out saying they had multiple personalities mm. because the reason is because the language was there. They were feeling things. And so they grabbed onto that language. Now, that didn't mean they had it. But I think that's part of what's going on is you've got teens, particularly these are young people. Right. Right. And I and just as an aside, I'll be curious to see what happens like in 20 years from now, how they'll identify. But you've got these young people who, as we said in our last podcast, are known to be struggling. Now they're being given a language option Mm -hmm. to identify with. And so to express their feelings. So that's why they're embracing it. Right. And so, but it's kind of like when we go online and self-diagnose, right? (laughs) I don't go on, when I have a symptom, I don't go online because boy, I can self-diagnose myself. Right. And I, I think that's the same thing that's happening with our children is they don't have the experience or the understanding to know, to, to diagnose, but they're diagnosing. Yes. And, and part of the problem too, is they're in this vulnerable stage where their bodies are changing and they're uncomfortable. I I was telling you earlier, 
I, yeah. I felt so uncomfortable in my body at age 12. I remember sitting on my bed, crying, scratching myself because I hated what was happening in my body. I felt uncomfortable. Things were changing. Thankfully, I didn't have this language imposed on me and these ideas imposed on me of what was really you know, going on according to our culture. But our culture, I think another huge aspect of it is it celebrates. It rewards yes. people who take on this, these other identities, these other identifying somewhere on that spectrum. I had a listener write into me once and her daughter, I think it was on the West coast was in school, kind of got lured into a club that was talking about these things and they gave them over 50 plus labels they could put on. Mm -hmm. And do you know what the, the label was they had for someone who believed, I guess, what in what we would say is biblical sexuality, uh, someone who was born female who was attracted to males or someone born male attracted to females, the label they were given was basic. Yeah. Basic. Who wants to put that label on in high school? Hey, everybody, I'm the basic one, right? You know, that doesn't work. And these poor kids are being celebrated for for coming out and identifying as part of this community because that's the that's the popular thing to do these days you know well and and also they go right to the psyche Mm -hmm. because the teenager feels out of place this is when you develop your identity so if you're an awkward teenager and all of a sudden you choose one of these identities you're not basic Mm -hmm. Um, and people are celebrating you. Now you have gone from social outcast to the popular crowd. Exactly. It's a gay, it's, it's like a super highway to get out of your, your awkwardness. And it doesn't really cure anything because they're still, it, it doesn't fix anything on the inside, but it does. You know, I can remember hearing one person talk about this, this young woman, I think who went to a big rally for the transgendered community and LGBTQ. And she said, I didn't know until I got here, but I just realized that I'm transgendered and everybody's screaming. And it was like a tear tape tape parade. And you're like, does anybody stop to think that, you know, the fact that you came to this conclusion in this atmosphere, like five minutes ago, that maybe it's not legitimate. Maybe it's not real. And no, nobody stops. They just go full bent celebrating the fact that this person is probably going to go down a path where they're taking chemical castrating drugs and potentially, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, cutting, not just cutting themselves, but cutting things off that were God intended to be there. Uh, But that's the celebration we have in our culture these days, right? Well, and it goes to another need, and that is a need for community. Mm. And particularly, particularly recently with COVID. Yeah. So people have been isolated, but even before COVID, our culture has become more and more and more isolated and more and more removed from relationship. And it's a desire for community. Yes. And you want to be, you want to be accepted in the community. You want to be valued in the community. You want a place in the community. And so it's another piece that it's, but it's false. It's a, well, not always, I I can't say it's always false Mm -hmm. that you're not part of the community, but, but yeah, that's, that's another big piece of it. And yeah. And what God intended that community to be should be the family and the church, right? That was the intention, but they're fine. They're finding that community elsewhere. So, so let's talk about what are some of the presuppositions that this ideology is based on? Oh my goodness. I think the main 
is the separation of body and I'm going to say self. Mm. Now, a Christian would say we we talk about as Christians that we have body, soul, and spirit. We we talk about those things, but this ideology actually separates body and self. Now, the self is elevated above the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the difference before I was going to say the body was elevated above the self kind of, but really more, it was, you were one package, mm-hmm. but now we've elevated the self. And so we change the body to fit the self. You can't be told that the self is wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I feel, what I think that determines truth. Mm-hmm. It's really based on Rousseau. Um, yes. and any suppression of that is you're not allowing me to be my authentic self. Like the term, the words authentic self really are Rousseau in. Mm-hmm. And the idea that society is trying through social construct, trying to keep me from being who I really am. And, but I know myself is who I really am. And I need the full freedom to express that however I deem it should be expressed. Right. And so that's why I need to change my body to bring my body to be in alignment with myself. Mm. Whereas in the past, we'd always say, we recognize that there could be, you know, issues there and we want to bring the mind to the body. Mm-hmm. I love that you put that. And of course, you're referring to Rousseau, the French philosopher, right? Uh, That was kind of at the heart of the French Revolution. Those ideas, which is a very different revolution. I actually have a book on this. It's really cool. Yes. Um, From Oz Guinness. Uh, That's a very different revolution than we had in the United States. They happened right around the same time. I think it was like around 1789. (laughs) If if the little song in my head from our classical education (laughs) is correct. So yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I really want to get at Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body, because that's what it's talking about. We have elevated the self above body. We have separated the two. We've made a hierarchy here and anything that the self wants, the body has to come in alignment with, whereas the body needs to be on equal footing. Does it not? Well, and and I feel that the body determines, I mean, think about it. Okay. You will never align your body. If you are born female, you will never get right. a male body. If you're born male, you will never have a female body. And so it's an unrealistic expectation. And that's another thing that I feel frustrated with with our teens is these are not simple operations. This is not like going in, I don't know, getting your hair dyed. This is life altering right. changes that will never, ever mm-hmm. be returned. Mm-hmm. And, but they're, they're telling them, oh, it's a simple operation. And, you know, if you change your mind, you know, if you get your breasts removed now, if you change your mind, you can just get them back. Well, a teenager hears that and thinks, oh, it's nothing. And I can always change my mind. That is so far from the truth. And they don't, developmentally, their frontal lobe, we know this is still is still Mm -hmm. maturing. And so parents, our job actually is to be their frontal (laughs) lobe, mentor them as they're doing, making decisions. And so we play that part until, but we're telling these kids and we're allowing them to make decisions. We're allowing our children at 15 to not tell their parents, but to tell this, um, I feel like a boy. Okay. Let's put you on some hormones. 
okay, let's say, you know, I mean, it's, and it's such a lie, the truth of what they're going through physically and what this does to their body. And it is irreversible. It is. And, you know, to get a little graphic here, we've talked about this previously, but um, of course, it, jazz, the, the, the television uh, yeah. star, I think it's the TLC reality TV show, of course, got on the chemical castrating drugs. I think first thing, uh, uh, such a true example of our culture celebrating someone, this person has become an international superstar after, you know, transitioning from male to female. And after years on the chemical castrating drugs, there's just heartbreaking scenes when you see this child go to the doctor and they're going to do the surgery, the bottom surgery. And I'm, you know, this gets a little graphic, but there were, there was not enough skin on this child's penis to do the surgery because the growth was so stunted from the chemically castrating drugs. So they had to actually stretch out the skin and there are scenes of this child, my heart ripped into crying profusely because of Mm -hmm. the um, measures they were taking to stretch the skin to create a faux vagina. You can't do that. And also jazz said that jazz had no sensation whatsoever of any kind of a sexual, you know, a a child at that age should have experienced um, uh, some sort of a sexual urge at that point. Well, he should have gone through puberty, which right, would have, which would have supplied yeah. that. Um, but this is what we're doing. It's so experimental. We don't know what these drugs are doing. We, uh, I've heard doctors speak about the osteoporosis and the bone decay that will happen through these yeah. drugs. There's no long-term studies, yeah. really. Actually, I have there are some studies long-term that show how dangerous this is, but. It's so heart rendering, just breaking to see the lies that these kids are being told that you can just change this. It is stamped on literally every single cell in your body. It's got an XX or an XY on it. You cannot change that with uh, with an operation and with some drugs that are experimental and being treated as if they're the end all and be all. These kids are being used as guinea pigs for, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, it gets me angry because it's an ideology that is false yeah. and they're being used as political pawns, I believe. And this, this direction and this, and they're, they're not part of it. I'm not saying that they're agenda driven, but they're falling no, no, no. to what is a political agenda, I believe. And my heart breaks for what is happening to this next generation. And I think we as we've got to stand up and speak some truth into it because at the heart of this issue is really uh, you know at the root of our discussion on sexuality is the very idea of truth, is it not? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there is no objective truth and no god, then why should there be any constraints on sex? Why can't we pick our gender? You know? Uh, so it comes back to that and of course our culture is in a place where it does not accept God and it's rejecting God and it's like you said this Rousseauian ideology that we can just uh, cast off all constraints but there are ramifications for that and we are maiming and castrating an entire generation for this ideology. And that's the part that gets me. So the two things I would say, yes, it's a political philosophy, or let's say it's coming through the politics and the education. But the truth is, it's a demonic 
philosophy. It is the enemy. And it comes right down to really evil and good, right and wrong. And that's why our A, we need to be praying and we need to be walking alongside people. But like you said, you're castrating an entire generation. And the hard part is 90%, I mean, off the top of my head, I think it's 90% of your children come to terms with their sexuality. Just like you said, you were scratching because, you know, probably you were an earlier Mm -hmm. developer. I think one thing to consider and parents can consider if you have a daughter, let's talk about daughters for a minute, that develop Mm -hmm. sooner. It is more difficult. Most girls develop sooner, right? And generally girls go through puberty sooner than boys do. But going through sooner, you're less mature. So you have less of the skills, you know, also to manage some of these changes. Plus, it's a known fact that psyche, the psyche, that the women get the much more, many more negative emotions. So they're dealing with that. So watch if your daughter is uh, Mm -hmm. developing sooner, just to recognize how difficult this is for her. I would honestly say, and I don't know this is a proven theory, but I would say a later puberty for a boy is more difficult. Oh, wow. Because I would think because, because the men, you know, they're all about their physical size Mm -hmm. and their, you know what I'm saying? Like generalizing again. So I would say if a, if a boy is developing later, it could be, that could be, that's just my own theory. But anyway, um, but it's so serious. It's so serious. And these children, like I said, if they were just allowed Mm -hmm. to go through this, many of them would work it out. And that's why you see a lot of these detransitioners, their teens, their young people in their twenties who have bought this ideology are coming out and saying, okay. And I've seen people who have had their Mm -hmm. breasts removed and saying, I miss my breasts. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, this is just, it's, it's just so serious, but it goes down to, as we said, an ideology. Yeah. And we're kind of, if we don't realize this at this point, moms and dads, we, we need to wake up and realize we are in a battle here. We are in a war here for mm-hmm. the next generation, mm-hmm. for our kids. This is a cultish ideology. Uh, Tucker Carlson has a really interesting Mm-hmm. documentary out two-part series is called transgressive and he goes through the steps of a cult and when you see it you're like wow that is what they're doing they're separating kids from parents telling them that their parents don't know anything that their idea you know that they're they're the oppressors and you know i don't know if you familiar with georgia maloney she's the new italian prime minister that everybody's been calling a fascist because she's very conservative <laughs> she's a fascist because she believes in god family and country in that order. So I, I'm starting to think if you're not being called a fascist these days and something's wrong with you. Um, but anyways, that's all over the internet and news organizations. But she had a speech recently that gave me chills. It was phenomenal. I'll try to post a link where we can see it if I can find it. But uh, mm-hmm. she quoted Chesterton, who is one of my favorites. <laughs> I could eat oh, his yeah. quotes like potato chips. And this was a quote from Chesterton that she said at the end of one of her speeches. She said, fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. And she says, that time has arrived. Mm. We are ready. Are we ready as parents to fight this battle that two and two equals four? That leaves are, in fact, green in the summer. That 
uh, an XX chromosome makes you makes you a female. And that that's right, isn't it? I get them confused sometimes. XX is female. XY is male, right? Yes. Yeah. I did get that right. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I know it in my head and then I went to say it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to butcher this. But that is, that is, we know this, this is stamped on every cell in our bodies. And that's what we're arguing about is the very nature of truth. Yeah. What two and two is and what green, what color leaves are in the summer and what our chromosomal count makes us and our anatomy makes us. We are not, it's not an oppressive thing to believe in truth. It is a liberating thing to believe in truth. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, you know, this is so tough to, to navigate through this. But one thing that I think is really interesting is that (laughs) we have heard like for years to be on the side of science, science, science. And yet, Our position Mm. is consistent with biology. Our position as Christians is consistent with science. And it's the the new ideology of gender that is inconsistent with who we are physically created to be. Is it not? To hear the answer to that question in our continuing conversation on how our culture is distorting God's design for our sexuality, tune in next week. Aaron and I will discuss the overarching narratives that are competing with the biblical view on sexuality. We will discuss how even mentioning God's plan for our sexuality is hate speech now. And we will talk about what is happening in our hospitals with the gender transitioning of minors. Yes, operations on children to change their sex. And to cap it off, Aaron will offer sage advice on how to discuss these issues with our kids. You don't want to miss it. You really shouldn't miss it because it's so necessary that we understand what our culture is teaching our kids about their sexuality. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherinesegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app. 
so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.